Uh, is this thing on? Can you hear me? Welcome to the Gravity Lift Podcast, a mostly entertaining and at times informative place where we get to chat about all the things we love. Music and festival life, yoga and wellness, travel and adventure. We are your hosts, Jordan and Antonella. Respect is love in action. Jordan and I had the opportunity to sit down with Savitri, the founder and creator of Heartful Meditation and Lifestyle and co-owner of the Alive and Shine Center, which was where I began yoga nearly 20 years ago. We are so grateful to share this big heart and hope to sprinkle some of Savitri's wisdom around to all of you. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. It took a little while to get this figured out, but you're here. We're making it happen. We did it. How are you doing today? Great, great. Good. Did you teach at all this morning? No, I teach this evening. This evening. Nice. What class is that? Meditation. Oh, I love it. For about six hours. (laughs) Awesome. Well, our listeners are a really broad expanse of people. So we have some people who consider themselves yogis. We have people who are kind of more from the music world or just locals that we've connected with over the years. And then a lot of people that we've met abroad from traveling. So if you could kind of give everybody a little idea, a little summary of who you are to start off and uh, maybe they can kind of get an idea of where we're going to go with all this. Okay. Well, I think that's what yoga is all about, trying to discover who are you. <laughs> exactly. So who am I? Um, well, I'm actually from a background of half, being half Italian, and uh, my father was from India, and I was born in India. And um, so I grew up with the, uh, the background of the Eastern culture as well as the Western culture. And then I came to America when I was seven, and got a chance to experience living really in a Western culture as well. But then I would go back to India every year uh, to connect with the Eastern culture that I was born in. And through that, um, there's certain ideologies and lifestyles and way of living that I began to realize very early on in life is, was very different from the East and the West. And um, actually, my mother was uh, Italian-American, and she said that when she came back after 15 years of being in India, that something had seriously happened to the West, that the West was much more like India was. She did not feel there was such a big difference when she had gone to India in the 50s. And then when she came back to America in, in the, we came in 67, she, she just couldn't un- understand what had happened. And then she really, she was a teacher, and she really felt it was due to television. Mm-hmm. That television had, had numbed people, had taken people away from their conscience, from communication with others, that the village was disappearing. Mm-hmm. And this was her observation in the 60s. And um, she'd be horrified what's happening now, <laughs> because it is actually, television sort of began the electronic age of distraction from yourself, of distraction from claiming your mind, your thoughts, your feelings, um, owning that you, you have a purpose, that everything you do has a re- repercussion for yourself and others. And uh, that is something that she had noticed in just a 15-year span of being away from America, that the village and that conscience and that community concept and um, honoring life was disappearing 
was completely disappearing. And she found that that was really affecting um, school children because she became an expert at teaching kids who had disabilities at a time where the labels hadn't really begun yet. The first label on learning disabilities was dyslexia. Mm. And she herself found out that she was dyslexic and didn't know she had a label for that. And I was dyslexic. And she just learned how to just teach kids how to read and, and do math. And she found that the key to that was teaching them to feel, teaching them to, uh, to feel why are they reading, why are they doing math, why are they, why are they here, what are they trying to get from this education. And, and without realizing it, she actually became my first, in a sense, spiritual teacher because she was a very loving person, very respectful person, very kind person, and... Um, she really taught me the importance of these basic um, e basic etiquette of how you treat yourself and how you treat others. And that really, to me, is what yoga is all about, what life is all about. Yeah, I think it's really interesting what you said in regards to if she could see us now. You know, everybody's walking around with essentially a television in yeah. their hand, in yeah. their pocket, and uh, the lack of interaction, even, I guess, back back in the day when you guys first came over this way, sure, there was the television, but at least there was like one in a living room and everybody exactly. was together watching it. And now it's much more like, oh, I've got my own in my pocket and you can have many people. I mean, we've been victim of this ourselves where yeah. my kids and we're all sitting at the table or after dinner and everybody's on their phone <laughs> instead of at least in one one space. So it is interesting to see the shift and it's definitely easy, I think, to judge it and to see the problems within it, but do you have any ideas or, or ways that we can evolve through it and, and say, okay, this, we're not going to obviously be able to get rid of the technology advances that we've mm -hmm. had, but how can we move through it more yogically and mindfully and, and educate other people in that way? Well, I find that the electronic world really is a form, attaches to our addiction as human beings. Uh, we have this tendency that if we're not paying attention to life, not through our mind and through our feelings and our actions, we get addicted to something that numbs us. And then that continues throughout our whole lives if we don't wake up. And so you really have to be much more observant in your day-to-day -day, uh, um, stories. And that's where I feel yoga uh, really is, is designed to help us to, to get to that place of awareness. Mm -hmm where you pay attention to, do I want to watch that show? Do I want to give that many hours of my life up? Do I want to spend that much time on a video game? Is this really what I want to, ex to experience here on planet Earth? Is this is really what I want to bring into my mind and bring into my story and, then, and bring into the life, of, of, to my family's, to my family's life, because everything I do affects everybody else. So I feel that the best gift you can give yourself is that every day, every hour, every two hours to stop and reassess, am I going down the path I really want to in my life? Am, am, have I spent too much time watching TV or on the phone or, or on the computer or so forth? Uh, and knowing that you have the power of choice and you can make that decision to, gain, to say, no, I have the power to, to change my story right this moment. And that is what being mindful is, or what I call being heartful, because heartful is where your conscience is. It's, it's in the heart chakra. 
And your conscious, which is your soul's voice speaking through you, tells you, no, little one, don't go that direction, go another direction. Uh, haven't you spent a little too much time uh, numbing yourself out instead of being more aware of how beautiful life is and how beautiful you are and how beautiful your family is and how beautiful this earth is? So really, it's about owning your power of choice, owning your power to be aware, and owning your ability to say no to something that is taking you away from yourself. So true. So true. I know that you, Jordan here, definitely feels that challenge a lot when it comes yeah. to the screens. Yeah, mindfulness is definitely a key phrase these days that I think is popular for a good reason because people are learning how to be mindful in their everyday life. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people get this idea of like, oh, meditation, I have to go sit quiet in a room for an hour um, and just not think. Mm -hmm. But I think your uh, explanation kind of of mindfulness is super important that we focus on being able to see the beauty in every little detail rather than, like you said, numbing mm -hmm. that beauty by focusing on something else that's a little bit brighter or more colorful because this phone has this addictive quality where there's these colors and notifications and just like yes. pop up and just like, I don't know, it speaks to our kind of like most carnal instinct of like, ooh, flashy thing over there. Yeah. Let's pay yeah. attention. Yeah. Um, so in terms of mindfulness, do you have like certain ways that you attempt to be more mindful in your day-to-day -day life beyond meditation? Well, you know, mindfulness is really just a phrase that has just come up right now that it's really what it's saying is be aware. That's really what it's really saying. And what is interesting is it's really not the mind that has that awareness that will get you out of addiction. Because even meditation itself can be addictive. Even meditation itself can be numbing. Oh, I never thought of it that way, but you're right. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you're so right. But the meditation that I was guided when I was 25 to do uh, takes you out of numbness, takes you out of addiction, takes you into feeling. And it's not about focusing in the mind, it's about focusing in the heart. In other words, the part of you that has the most awareness is not the mind. It's not because the mind relies on the senses. Mm. And so if you're being mindful, what you're saying is, I am relying on my senses to bring the awareness of where I, whether I'm going on track in my life or not going on track in my life. But when you're going in your heart chakra, you're connecting with your soul, you're connecting with the giver of life, you're connecting with the creator that created you for a purpose. Its ability of awareness is obviously going to be much vaster than the ability of the mind and your senses. So what I call it's not about being mindful, but it's about being heartful. It's about having that same level of awareness as the creator of your own body, mind, and soul. And that's what that gift was brought to me uh, when I was 25. Because when I was a teenager, both my parents died in a plane crash. Uh, when, I, when I was 21, my sister was murdered. Uh, a few years after that, her son that I had helped bring up was taken away from me by her father. By by this my son my nephew's father. So I had lost a lot of people, including a cousin who had committed suicide. So I needed to have a whole other level of awareness of why the heck did all this happen. So it was not through being mindful that would that answered those questions because that would have kept me in the story where these stories happened. Right? These happen. These happen in this reality. But by being heartful, by going into the feelings 
by going back into beautiful feelings because those stories brought out feelings that I didn't want to feel, hate and anger and revenge and sadness and and feeling that God didn't care for me and I was unloved and, and lost and confused and helpless, that I had no power of choice whatsoever. So it was not by living in my mind that I got the healing. It was by going into my heart, into the different level of awareness, where I got the bigger picture, the much, much vaster perspective that my soul and the creator of all gave me those answers that finally gave me the healing that I needed so I could finally be at peace with myself, finally feel at peace on this planet because the person who killed my sister was not put to jail and the police had warned me, stay away from this person. So I was living in this intense fear that had a validity to it. But by being mindful, the fear just got bigger. But by going into my heart chakra, going out of the story, changing my thoughts, changing my feelings, changing my perspective, changing the understanding of humanity, changing my understanding of God and the Creator, because what I did was, by living in my head, is that I had an angry definition of God. And so I chose to be an atheist, because that gave me a peace. But then my body started to deteriorate because you can't deny that something created you. You can't live from that numbness of denying that. And so by going into my heart, by going back into the feelings that I missed from these beautiful people that I now lost, such as love, such as joy and smiles and, and connectedness, now I was being taught I can find it in myself. I can find it in my heart and I have to go beyond my mind and its awareness into the heart, into its vast awareness that knows everything and everyone, that is everything and everyone. Now, did that kind of kickstart your adventure into the world of yoga, or had you been dabbling, I guess we'll say, into the physical practice of yoga prior to that? Well, actually, growing up in India, yoga is part of your culture. Um, the, many of the physical techniques are just part of, if you have aches and pains, you just... Just do it. Um, if you feel a little out of, out of whack in your mind, you do a little meditation. You go to a temple or you'll meet with friends and do pujas. Uh, it, it's part of the daily life. It's, it's a lifestyle of feeling a connectedness. But officially, I suppose, I started yoga was when I met my husband, actually, Adil Palkiwala, and I met him actually a few months after both my parents died in the plane crash because their plane crashed in Bombay. At that time, it was the largest plane crash in history. And um, my cousin, my, my uncle, lived uh, uh, the same building. And my cousin, who was going to uh, Adil's mother's class, suggested I go do asana, the exercise part, to calm down. And so I came in <laughs> to, to that class, didn't expect Adil to be there. But he had just had a vacation from his school, and here he was now teaching along with his mother, and he was 18 years old, and I was 17. And that was my first official um, real asana class, though I had done other types of asana with my mother, because that's just part of our life. We do headstand, you do, you don't even think about it, you don't, you don't even label them as yoga poses. <laughs> you know, if you have a headache or this and that, my mother would say, do this, and I, I didn't even know I was doing asana, I had no idea. I'd see her doing certain asana, and I had no idea she was doing asana, you know, because that's just how the culture was. 
Um, and so I met Adil there. We fell in love. And uh, it was a four-year period before I really got more involved in yoga. But um, it really, I would say, I didn't understand what yoga was until I started the meditation aspect, until I sat and prayed and asked for help because my body was dying. I was very, very ill at 25 from um, the shocks of what I had been through. And one thing I found by just focusing on the asana, it, makes, it made me emotionally more imbalanced because the feelings came to the surface, but no one had any techniques of how to deal with these really raw, lost uh, intense feelings of immense emptiness. And it was mainly just suppress, focus on your body, it'll all be okay. <laughs> and it doesn't work. No. It does not work. And the, uh, the meditation part of turning in back, claiming, claiming the beautiful feelings that I was missing from my mother that my, when we were interacted together. You know, that's, that's why we miss our loved ones, because we miss those beautiful feelings that they bring out in ourselves. It's really not them. It's just that there's something they do or their smile or their, their touch that brings out the feelings that are already in you. And those beautiful feelings are really your own self, your own soul revealing its presence in the relationship with that person. And so by owning those feelings that I already had and taking the time out to feel them and teaching the mind to go into the heart chakra, into those feelings, and then using a beautiful image of light, I began to heal mentally. I began to heal emotionally. I began to feel safe enough to do asana. It was now not scary to do asana because the asana brought up imbalanced feelings. Now I could go, I can claim a beautiful feeling. I have that power. It's in me already. Mm -hmm. And then the asana became this incredible dance of love and joy and peace and and gratitude that, that was an extension of my meditation. So I found by doing meditation and then the asana with it was the healing I needed versus doing the asana without focusing on the beautiful feelings and just focusing on the physical form. Because my physical form was scared, mm -hmm. was scared of life, was scared of feeling the emptiness and the loss. So that's why yoga is meant to be a multi-pedal uh, healing system where you integrate the asana, the meditation, um, the healthy lifestyle of the foods and your surroundings, and then the way you breathe. What, you, what are you breathing? Why are you breathing? What are your intentions in each breath? So that is really the whole lifestyle of balance and harmony and peace that yoga is gifting to humanity. About uh, 10 years ago, my brother committed suicide oh. and he was my, one of my best friends I mean we were very very close growing up and I remember the first few yoga classes that I went to and they were in a studio space with a lot of people and it was so hard and not in the fact that I couldn't physically do the poses but dealing with the emotional roller coaster that was being unleashed with every marma point and every movement and every breath was just overwhelming and I went through a pretty good chunk of time where I just couldn't go and practice at least with people. Mm -hmm. I could do a home practice which ended up being a lot 
slower and more loving and more meditation focused and that helped a lot but I do think there's something missing in the western not just something there's a lot of somethings missing in the western yoga world but I think that is a really powerful thing to talk about because I felt something similar it was a different type of action but uh before that right after the birth of my daughter and then again my son when I went to those first few yoga classes when my body had gone through this miraculous thing but also kind of dramatic right you're going through a lot physically and then I'm in this space where I feel vulnerable and there's a lot of fears and thoughts going on in the head and the physical um the physical connection of that was too much in a mm-hmm. lot of ways and it's interesting because I think a lot of people are drawn to the yoga classes to say okay well this is going to help me get my head on straight and deal with the trauma or deal with my divorce or deal with whatever's going on but there's so many of these classes that are missing the meditation aspect mm-hmm. and the loving aspect it's all like go 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 work 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 and it's much more exercise based yes. than actually connecting to the feels like mm-hmm. what are you feeling and and allowing yourself to feel that because I, I think I spent a really long time doing exactly what you said and it's just stuffing all of that down and going okay go through the movements go mm-hmm. through the movements stuff it down and then about you know five six years later it just goes exactly <laughs> it's all there exactly. and yours manifested physically in the body yes. mine was a, on a little different way it kind of radiated out into my relationship choices and the people that I surrounded myself with kind of into dark spaces. Mm -hmm. I know for Jordan, it's similar to you where when he's got stuff that he's not dealing with or disconnected in the heart, it manifests in his physical body big time. And that's how you got into yoga was the physical ailments. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the misconceptions of health. You know, people will say, I just want to be healthy. And just the other day I was thinking, now I get it. It's when you say you want to be healthy, you mean you want your mind to be healthy, you want your emotions to be healthy, you want your feelings to be healthy, and then the body will respond to that, and it will have that health that, that, you're, that you're wanting. And through that, then your relationships will be healthy, and then everything else you do in your life will, will reveal that inner health. And when I was growing up, so much of it was, you know, physical. You know, what are you eating? Are you doing the proper exercise? It was not focused on the feelings and the thoughts. Uh, it was like, think whatever you want because no one else is hearing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yes, your body is hearing. <laughs> the universe is hearing. Yeah, and I think a lot of people feel like if they make it look right and healthy on the outside, then other people will either perceive them as being that way mm-hmm. or they'll trick themselves into thinking that. But exactly. it's, it's just a ticking time bomb in a lot of ways. Uh, but I love that there is that ripple effect, that they are all connected to each other. And the entryway, we talk about the doorways into a yogic lifestyle. And, and when we refer to yoga, we're not necessarily referring to the asana practice or going to a hot yoga studio. It's definitely not the vibe that we're going for. But when people embark on their yoga path, everybody's kind of coming in through a different doorway. And uh, it's it can be tricky because we of course have our path that we're super excited about and you're very passionate about yours and then we meet people who are new and they're like oh I'm going to this type of super hot studio and I work super hard and I'm getting really strong and and you can see them just kind of barely tipping their toe into the water and 
I know for both of us, uh, the challenge is we want to like pull them in deeper and be like, mm -hmm. okay, that's great, but there's all of this. And, right. and do you have any suggestions for newer teachers like ourselves, uh, how to help kind of pull people along the path of love and connectiveness and true health versus I'm here for the aesthetics and the sweaty and the workout? I think to point out what feelings do you feel all day? Because you can deceive yourself uh, looking in the mirror and going, well, I look gorgeous, so therefore I'm healthy. Or, or I don't have that many aches and pains, therefore I'm healthy. But your emotions tell you a lot of how healthy you are. Is there anger? Is there, is there uh, um, frustration? Is there worry? Is there fear? Uh, people take those emotions as well as just being human. No, those, that's being an imbalanced human. That's being a human that's disconnected with your soul disconnected with your purpose, disconnected with, with the beauty of life. So I feel the, where you really need to start with is emotional health. That is the key to having the physical health, the mental health, and the material health, and the relationship health. Pay attention to your feelings. So with Heartful Meditation, when I was, what I was first guided to do was to start feeling. Choose any beautiful feeling that I wanted to feel. So I chose to feel the love for my mother. And it was like, wow, I'm given permission to feel the love for my mother? Everybody else was telling me, forget her, move on. And here I was being told by this inner voice, uh, yes, feel love for your mother. Just pretend she does, she's never gone. Just take a moment for one minute, two minutes, three minutes, and feel that love again. And I started to observe that my body got calm. My mind's thoughts became calm. I liked being in my body versus wanting to run away from my body. And then I was told, do that every five, 10 minutes. Do it every hour. Just keep on doing it. Keep it consistent. And I found, oh my God, my body is feeling happy again. I don't feel that fear. I feel like I, can, I want to go into the asana. I want to go for a walk. I want to actually look at myself in the mirror. Because it really, your emotional feeling health is the foundation to all other health. And it's from those beautiful feelings, you automatically have a beautiful thought. You don't have to make it up. Or I used to do this positive thinking thing, you know, where you memorize these affirmations and these sentences, and you're going, okay, I can do this, I can do this. But you're, you don't feel it, but you're saying it, and you're thinking, if I say it enough times, I'll get that feeling, right? It doesn't work. And so I thought, what's wrong with me? I'm a defect. You know, I can't seem to believe in these sentences. And I found with it being taught, just choose a feeling you need right now. Choose a feeling that will make you smile, that will make you feel safe, that will make you feel like you want to breathe for the next few minutes. And by just keeping that consistent. And then after that, I was guided not just to help you with your mind, help the mind see an image of light. And I didn't realize that by giving the mind an image of light, I was giving the mind an opportunity to think. Because when your mind imagines something, it's thinking. I didn't have to think words, I can think an image. So I started to think this image of light. Little did I realize I was being guided back to my soul. That the image of my soul is light, and, and the essence of what my soul feels like are beautiful feelings. So within a very short time, I went from an atheist in total fear, literally so much fear I had to have an alarm system on, 
and have all the doors locked if I went for a shower because this person had killed my sister. It was, not, it was a serious thing. This person had not gone to jail. And suddenly in three weeks, I felt safe. I was guided to do some more techniques, moving my hands by creating a cocoon um, form around my body, which is a natural energetics of the soul protecting the body. And by choosing that beautiful feeling, knowing I had the power of choice, that no one could take that beautiful feeling of love away from me, even if my loved ones are all gone, that love has always been in, in me and always will be in me because it is who I am. And then that beautiful image that is eternal. Every religion and spiritual path, when a person so-called enlightened, what do they say they saw? Light. So here I was being, without realizing it, walking the path of enlightenment, which means being more awake and more aware. And now suddenly my body went, I think I will be safe now. I think I do want to breathe a little more. I think I do want to start healing. I think I do want to get more balanced. I think I do want to do some creative things. And so in six months, I went from being told by doctors that I was dying. I had cancer and serious illnesses, brain tumor. I had a head injury as a child that was getting worse and worse and worse. I had a list of serious illnesses that were incurable. I didn't focus on the illnesses. I didn't even focus on healing any of the illnesses. I focused on my power to choose a beautiful feeling whenever I needed it. I focused on my power to not think words, but to hold on to a beautiful image of light. And I focused on my power to own my body by helping my soul come out and, and embrace this form, helping it to feel safe again. So beautiful. So beautiful. So you became this beacon of light to many others. Was the teaching aspect around that time, or was it kind of some, a little while later? What happened, I would say about seven, seven eight years later, okay. because of one person who, who actually I was staying with, Adi, one of my husband's uh, students, and I was staying with her while Adil was out traveling, and she saw me doing these unusual hand gestures. This is an active meditation. You don't sit there and hope to be enlightened or awake or aware or, or to be, feel protected. You actually move your hands a certain way that gather the mind and bow it to the heart, that lift your soul's presence out through the body and around the body and create this cocoon vibration around your body. And she saw me doing these hand gestures, and she, saw, she noticed that I was... She, glowing and she was an atheist herself and she didn't like using the word god and all that stuff but she used to do the asana and she said what are you doing i said i don't know i just do these things and it makes me feel better <laughs> and it's healed me in so many ways so my she was actually my, my first student without me realizing it and uh then i said you know i don't know just watch me and copy me <laughs> and ask me questions and we'll figure it out and then slowly bit by bit other people started asking me questions and the beginning i i, I just shared it with as many people who wanted to learn. I was a very shy personality, so it was just something that I just offered as a, as, a, as a gift. And then eventually I didn't realize it was my calling. It was, it was something that had helped me, and now it was time for me to, to make it my purpose. And that took me many years to grasp, because I should actually walk into class and go, well, I'm sure this is my last week. 
I'm sure this is just a part-time thing and I'm, I'm, you know, I'll be moving on to other things. And now it's been like 30 years later and I'm still teaching. <laughs> I don't think you're going anywhere. I don't think my soul has any other plan for me. <laughs> has it changed or evolved in that amount of time or has it stayed fairly consistent with what your instincts were early on? The basic techniques have not changed. Uh, uh, the depth of different lights that I work with. First, it was just the white light, which is the which is the first layer of the soul's presence, which is love, or or connectedness or oneness. And then eventually, I was guided to blue light, which heals you from from addictions, karma. Karma is just an addiction pattern. And I was uh, guided to work with blue light to start releasing the addictions of of loneliness and loss, and that we human beings we incarnate life after light life. And then eventually I was guided to connect with silver light, which is the divine feminine uh, energy, and then the gold light, which is the divine masculine energy. So over the 30 years, these different depths of my soul's presence started to reveal itself. And so this cocoon that I create is with all these vibrations of lights in me and around me. Beautiful. I think we need to try that out. <laughs> I like that idea of a bit of more of a active meditation that we've dabbled with a lot of different styles, but there's something that sounds very freeing to be able to move to and move. visualize and, and have it be exactly. less about the words or lack thereof words. It's really interesting because I actually took Jordan's yoga class today and, uh, we were doing some visualizations and some mantra at the beginning, and um, I picked light. <laughs> I picked light, but it was the word light, and then yes. my brain went to all the different ways that I could be light, whether it's light in physicality or mm -hmm. a beacon of light for others or light in emotions and kind of went through, and of course my brain was working a lot, but it, yeah, it's all yeah. right. And it went through all of these ideas of what light is. And then at the end, when we revisited whatever we chose, um, I noticed that I had dropped all the words and it was just a light. So that's that's, it. Yes. when you started talking about that, I was like, wow, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it really comes down to how do we incorporate that into the beginning of a class where you can encourage people to, I guess, witness that light. Mm -hmm. And so I think maybe a little bit of additional guidance. Mm -hmm. And throughout a practice, yeah. you know, taking moments to stop and yes. and just reconnect and not necessarily always having to cram in x amount of asana postures and 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 have moments of stillness yes yes in fact that's what my husband and i created purna yoga where he took his ayengar yoga asana practice which was very very physical and then added on to what i had been taught the the meditation the feeling the breath work and we weaved it together into exactly what you're describing, a class where we start with meditation, focusing on the light, focusing on a beautiful feeling, doing the asana, reminding people to keep that connection to that image, to that feeling, and then doing some more asana. So that is, it's the integration of, of <clears throat> excuse me, all the petals of who you are versus just um, the physical. Mm -hmm. Woven together. I love that you teach together. Um, and obviously you've been doing it for quite some time. Do you need some water? Sorry, just a little cough. Oh, yeah, go for it. Have water. Do what you need. Have your lozenge. We can edit whatever we need out. Thank you. <laughs> I used to be have a radio show. 
And if you coughed, it was like, oh, no, it's there forever. No, no, we get to edit. No worries. Oh, thank you. So if you're comfortable with it, I would love to chat a little bit about your relationship and how that started. Uh, Jordan actually appeared in my yoga class however many years ago now and there was definitely um the struggle for us at first of the teacher student role and would that be okay and how might that change and shift and now it's fantastic and we get to share this practice with each other with the world we love collaborating creatively and coming up with um ideas and and I think we're definitely better as a team Beautiful. Than I would have ever guessed back in the day. Yes, yes. So did you have that moment with a deal where you were just like, oh, we can we can go do really epic things together? Or was it a little bit more timid? Uh, well, it took us many years to move into that direction because he was very hardcore anger yoga. I was very anti-yoga of any kind. Even <laughs> when I meditated, I still would not admit I was doing an aspect of yoga. Mm. Um, I just didn't understand what yoga was. Uh, I just saw it as, in some ways, what the West, how the West saw it. And then, I, as I said, in India, it's part of your life. You don't think about it. And uh, so I thought, why am I putting a label on something we just sort of do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then ve- eventually, bit by bit, I realized Adil does it for a profession. So what on earth is this that he's doing? <laughs> and so we started. As I started healing, understanding, uh, growing as a person, then I finally was able to own that label and go, oh, so I am doing yoga. I get it now. <laughs> so I chose it more from desperate need to know who I was mm-hmm. and to heal and to really, really find out why did my family suffer in such horrific ways. Right. And uh, it was from that place that I walked on this path and this journey. Didn't want that label on me at all until later on I realized, oh, so there is a label to what I just did. <laughs> <laughs> So when you guys work together, is it something that has kind of evolved over time? Is there any challenges you could give us some tips to keep an eye out for? Or is it still a work in progress as far as like running a business together and then also having the creative aspect and the yeah. aspirational ideas of where you want all of this to go? I think it's learn to listen to each other, to hear each other's perspectives, to be willing to change where change is needed. Uh, to that to me is what respect is and to be willing to learn from each other and um, and realize that you're, if you're if you're working together on the path of yoga whether it be the business aspect or or um, the teaching aspect to always bring in I'm doing this because I want love to be the core of what I'm doing and so love then softens all of it for you and then allows that ego to melt and allows that stubbornness to melt and allows you to hear more and see more and be more patient and more supportive. So true. Yeah. Yeah. So does she know any of your uh, intro into yoga story? I don't know. Yeah. I don't recall if we if we chatted about that. Yeah, so I'd love to hear it. The Alive and Shine, how, when did that your studio become that? When was... Do you recall? Well, it was year? first called Yoga Centers. That's right. right. It was right. the year my daughter was born. <laughs> okay. So what year was that? Yoga Center. Oh, 1992. Okay. So it was in 99? 
When was Bailey born? July. Yeah. So in 99, my first yoga class was there. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I was 23, wow. I guess. 23 oh and pregnant. And I think I had watched on Oprah or something and it said, go do yoga if you're pregnant oh, to yeah. learn how to breathe and to yeah. learn how to push a baby out. And so I went and uh, I was pregnant, but it went well. And then I went back and then I went back and I became a little bit addicted to the part that you referred to, uh, the physicality and the mm -hmm. structure and the alignment of Iyengar. Mm -hmm. Loved it. I loved the almost type A perfection of this is how it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Because at that time in my life, I really needed that. I right. was married to an addict. Everything was chaotic. I had I was very young with a baby and uh, not really a stable support system mm -hmm. on the on the dad side of things. And so yoga grounded me and having all of that structure was really, really helpful at a time where my youthful body had just changed very drastically. And then over the years, I kind of was drawn to other forms, things that were a little bit more expressive, like mm -hmm. vinyasa, and then things that were quieter and like yin and meditation. And it's so great because I think it was just this last spring that you guys had the uh, anniversary class or whatever it was. When was that? In February, I think it's anniversary. Oh, oh so yeah. it was so it was in February. But I, I told Jordan, I said, oh my gosh, the studio that I started at way back in the day is having their anniversary. You should come. And so we came to the class oh. and it was fantastic. <laughs> it was and my it, first Iyengar class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Adil taught and I think he did oh, a little I bit of the meditation. <laughs> And then there was people from the community kind of doing awards and all sorts of stuff and something that really spoke to me and it really took me way back to almost 20 years ago when I first walked in there wow. was the community. Yes. The people who are in there, your teachers, your students, there is so much love and so much connection that is part of why we're not really in the studio world anymore because I think it's very absent in most studios. They might claim that they have like their tribe or their family or whatever, but people are very much in their own bubble on their own mat before and after class checking into the studio. There's very little interaction, very little eye contact, pretty much no touch, right? It's mm -hmm, very like, mm -hmm. oh, don't touch my mat. Oh, this is my spot. And, and it starts to feel very sterile and cold so we've kind of ventured out of the studio world but it was really beautiful to be there for the anniversary and to see the community that you guys have built over so many years and uh, I, I love that you're doing it do you have any anything that you want to share in regards to that space oh thank you for saying what you said because that was really my dream when I first started teaching at the center I was Three or four years after we, we started the center. Um, and um, my main aspiration and, and, and mission was that this was going to feel like home. This was going to be home, sweet home for people who feel lost and empty and uh, need to feel loved and cared for and supported. Because I'd, as I said, losing my whole family, it's amazing how many people don't want anything to do with you when you've had tragedies. I mean, you can know people for years, and once you have tragedies, people just walk away. And so my sister and I were left with nobody. And I had lived many, many years with no one supporting us, no one taking care of us, no one wanting to even speak to us, just because we lost loved ones. 
And uh, so I had vowed that if I'm going to be embark on this path of yoga, I'm going to create a village. I'm going to create a home, sweet home for people. I'm going to create a family that I mean, I may not have one, but I'm going to create one through being what my mother was for me, love, for to be caring and supportive. So I pray, for, I take my Syrian students and my teachers very seriously. They're family to me. I pray for them. I, I, I hear their, their stories. I, I pray for the guidance to help them. I pray for, for finding places for them to stay. I mean, I take their lives very, very seriously because they're family to me. And, I, and, you know, it's strange, but, you know, had I not lost my family, I wouldn't have reached that depth of, of bringing people you call strangers because the mind goes, they're strangers. But then the heart goes, no, there's a divine family that's waiting to be discovered. And that is really what yoga is, right? It says oneness. It doesn't say oneness with your few favorite people <laughs> or, or, or oneness with people you're related to. Mm. It says oneness with all. It's discovering that everything and everyone is a part of you. And there's a whole family waiting for us to weave together a new story. And that is, I tell you, you had just made my, my heart so happy that you, that you felt that because that was exactly what I had dreamt and prayed for, that if that's what I'm going to bring to the center is going to be the feeling of family, home, sweet home, really community, really community, not just saying your family, not just saying your community, but we all take it seriously. We, we teachers come together and we pray for, for our students. We try to figure out solutions. We'll, we'll read stuff to find out what can we do to support each other. It's not just come in, take a class, leave. Mm -hmm. it, it, we, we embrace each student. So it saddens us when they leave because <laughs> mm -hmm. it feels like, oh, a family member left. And we have to learn detachment and know that, okay, wherever they went, you know, they will find their own special way back to themselves. But more, that's... more back to you. I mean, I definitely, at the time, I would have loved to keep attending. And it was one of those things that, you know, if you don't have childcare, it's really hard yes. to get to a class. And yes. so you end up doing more and more yoga at home. And then things shift and change and you move. But I think that you should remember that you've created a connection in even if people go away like myself and other students they they still re remember that and there's still that connection and maybe you know 20 years later they go back and walk in and go oh yep this is yeah. this is still here so um would you have any suggestions on how we can create that i mean we we're not necessarily looking to build a studio ourselves, mm -hmm. but we go a lot of places and we try to bring yoga a lot of different um, kind of unexpected places. We, not, mm -hmm. not necessarily that we trick people into yoga, but kind of. <laughs> we sort of <laughs> like bring yoga to places where they don't necessarily expect it. Right. And uh, is there a way that you think you can build this community and this connection and this loving family without the physical space of home where we can oh, absolutely. meet people where they're at? It's really just bring beautiful feelings. Wherever you go, bring those beautiful feelings of love and gratitude and kindness and support and caring. Everybody is hungering to feel cared for and loved. Uh, if you breathe, be that presence that they're, that they're needing, then they'll want to find out, oh, what are you doing? Can, can, you, can you help me to hold 
what you are holding for me right now. So you're not only reminding them what you need is here in me, and please absorb it and embrace it in me as it's a teacher wherever you go, but also to teach them, but what you're feeling in me is also also in you. So come, let me show you how you can feel what you're feeling in me is in you, and you can have that feeling, have that um, that's that feeling of being held and cared for through what I'm teaching you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. It's almost like that idea of if you do your job right, then the student is going to leave. Uh-huh. It's like you've <laughs> yeah, done yeah, your job. That's true. Yeah, that's found true. themselves. And so yeah, yeah. I think you're right. That does come back to that personal level of you know detachment yeah you've done the work you've created that influence upon their lives where they can go and do their own work yes i think that can be difficult as a teacher to be like no but you were my favorite student (laughs) i I miss you yeah where'd you go yeah you gave them wings yeah yes yes it's beautiful yeah it's beautiful Mm. i love it it would be really interesting to talk to adil as well um, oh yes, yes. Yeah, it would be fun to to chat with both of you guys sometime. I I really respect him as a teacher a lot, and obviously I've had more experience with him than you. Um, as far as being on the wife side of things, when you observe him as a teacher, what would you say are uh, the highlights, the things that he just really does well, and that you're so proud of when you when you watch him take teach a class or when you're in his class. Well, I haven't been in his class since when I first met him. Oh, really? <laughs> you know? uh, yes, I, I was in his class maybe four or five months. And then I had to leave <laughs> because it just didn't work for my body. Okay. That I engrossed, uh, um, totally focusing on the physical. As I said, I was an emotional wreck. And I also had a head injury, so a lot of the poses I could not do. Mm. Uh, so I, in a roundabout way, I've had to sort of create my own yoga, <laughs> my yeah. own, own path. And... Uh, but I've seen him as I've seen him as a person go from, uh, in a sense, a teenager into this. I would say now a yogi, where he's much more soulful, much more gentle, much more open, much more receptive to change and to uh, embodying uh, new levels of truth that that every relationship needs. Mm-hmm. You have to be flexible in change. You have to be willing to allow your loved one to grow, and through that you grow. And uh, that is something that I, f- I feel is what makes a true true yoga practitioner mm-hmm. and a true yogi. And that is what I admire, that he has done that because he had a very traditional physical yoga background. And so what I was bringing into it was something very, very new to him and was, was difficult for him. And um, it meant, made sense to him mentally but he was not able to actually live it for a long time. And then slowly, bit by bit, by seeing how it was changing me and how it was helping me to become me mm-hmm. and taking me from a very shy personality to a person that act- actually talked to groups of people. And because uh, he'd always had this very outward, yeah. uh, confident uh, persona. And I was the exact opposite personality. I was let me melt and disappear. No, and I don't want anyone to know I even exist personality. So I think by watching me blossom, he has blossomed. And by, uh, again, I think the core value for relationship is to listen to each other, to really hear not just day-to-day information that can keep you very busy and and not really connect, but listening to 
the whole process of coming alive, mm-hmm. coming alive and shining. That's actually why we changed the name from yoga centers into Alive and Shine. Because I prayed one day, you know, what exactly is yoga? You know, I, I really want to have something simple to understand what am I doing? You know, I'm supposedly a, a yoga meditation teacher. What am I really doing? And then this inner voice said, you're, you're becoming alive and you're shining. You're, you're honoring the giver of life and letting its presence shine through every cell. This is what everybody's supposed to do. This is the purpose of life itself. This is the purpose that everybody's searching for, is to be alive and to shine, and to create a lifestyle where you're alive, and to create a lifestyle where the fullness of you shines. And so that I asked Adil, is it okay if we could change the name of the center that we've had for a long time? <laughs> it took him about a year, and he finally went, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah. It, it makes well, and there's just this right away, right when you hear the name or you see it, it is a much more feeling connected name, right? Than yoga center sounds right. kind of sterile and very, you know, alignment. Yeah, yeah, alignment, based. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I like it. The name can say a lot, that's for sure. So our center is growing. You can see where the name change yeah. and when you first were there, it was very alignment based. Not that the alignment base is still there, of course. Yeah. But we've added the other elements. That I guess was my purpose and my gift to to uh, our marriage, to our relationship, to our business. So, for those who are listening, who might be now curious to go check it out or to venture into what this yoga thing is, do you have any suggestions on your schedule of what would be a good entry for the average person in this area? Maybe uh, physically not super active, probably works a lot, maybe kind of stressed out. Do you have a suggestion on what class would be a good one for them to start with? Well, we do have entry level classes for everybody to to go. Um, my favorite is the what we call the spa yoga because a lot of people have sleeping problems mm. and especially because of the electronic world and so they have trouble at, uh, letting go of that addiction to their phone or, or, or whatever it may be, uh, iPad. <laughs> uh, and so I, I came up with this idea of if, if, if in, we make the last class at our studio, the spa yoga where they do restorative poses we guide them through a, 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 into their heart chakra because when you go to sleep, guess where you go? Your mind actually curls inward and actually goes into your heart chakra. So we guide them to the energetics of what your soul would do automatically when you go back to sleep. And so I found that that really was a class that I want to get people to come to more because it's become a very serious epidemic of people having enormous problems sleeping. And if you don't sleep properly, everything falls apart. Your every mental health, emotional health, physical health. Sleep is so crucial. The nervous system needs to let go of the outer world. The mind needs to get let go of the outer world. So that's a lovely way to start where it's easy. It's all about getting you to feel comfortable in your body. It's about easing you into a good night's sleep. And then from that, then start exploring the different levels. We have different levels for beginners to more advanced. We also, you know, one of Adil's dream was to create really, really expert teachers. Because having come from India, where he'd been doing yoga since he was seven years old, he found here people, after just a short time of of being educated, suddenly call themselves yoga teachers. Mm -hmm. And there were an enormous amount of injuries that were happening in the yoga world. And so one of his dreams was to start a college to really, really educate um, the teachers 
with much more of the refinement and the and the safety aspects of yoga. And so our teachers are really the most um, educated teachers in America. We are average teachers, 500-hour to 2,000-hour educated teachers, and they are encouraged to do a yearly continuing education. We treat, we treat it as a profession where you are respecting yourself and others, and you're, you're, their, their bodies and lives are in your hands. And so it's important that they really understand your mind, your emotions, and your physical form. And that is, and of course, your spirit. And that's what we are striving for in what we call Purna Yoga, which means the whole complete yoga. We don't leave out any aspect of you because all of you is important, mm -hmm. not just your body, your mind, as I said earlier, your mind, your feelings, your relationships, all of it, how you eat, how you sleep, all of it is important. Do you lead the trainings together or does the deal usually? Yes. Okay. We share that he does more of the asana and, and some of the philosophy, and I do the meditation philosophy, and we share the lifestyle. Beautiful. And yeah. do a lot of your graduates usually end up sticking around and working at the studio, or is it kind of very? We have them all around the world now. Oh, nice. Yeah, because he travels everywhere. Okay. <laughs> I don't do the traveling. Uh, he loves to travel. I don't know if he loves it anymore now. It's, he's, <laughs> he's turning... Uh, 59 now and he's thinking about wait a minute i've traveled a lot <laughs> it's exhausting i used to tell him you know thanks for visiting us <laughs> you know i always had a visiting husband because <laughs> you know, literally he'd be like 200 200 days of the year out and about traveling is there anywhere the that would get you out though that get you on a plane and go uh, somewhere hawaii cool? oh okay okay <laughs> yes he used to go there two three times a year and that's when i would go with him okay. <laughs> and, and teach there as well sometimes not always we chatted a little bit the other week about italy is that something uh, you're still we thinking did a, about exploring yeah. we did a uh, um retreat last year in october oh beautiful because uh, my mother comes from italy from sorrent from sorrento and you said your your parents uh, right? my Come family's from, from naples sorry not from sorrento naples that's yeah, where we went naples i did visit sorrento which was yeah. gorgeous um and actually jordan got me something interesting for christmas it's this what is it called 23 and me mm -hmm. it's this genealogy <laughs> thing and i just got my results back last night it was really cool to see the breakdown yeah. of where my family comes from and maybe five, six generations before that yeah, where they yeah. migrated from. So it's it's kind of a cool adventure. I'm, I'm curious to dive into it a little bit more. We're hoping to go to Italy in July. To what area? Uh, Naples, Rome, oh, yeah. kind of yeah. explore a little bit. My biological dad is there right now renewing kind of his papers and everything like that. So um, hopefully we will go there and I'll get my dual citizenship oh, all figured out. Great. There's a little bit of a travel bug that we both have. And we're, we both were born and raised in the Seattle area. We're, we're oh, from here. Really? We've done a lot of traveling, but we've never lived anywhere else. So mm -hmm. we've been talking about going and living abroad for a couple of years and, mm -hmm. and seeing what it's like. And uh, so that would open up Italy and then the whole European Union. So yes. kind of keeping an eye on all of that we'll see what happens yeah i think traveling is I, I did a lot of traveling with my parents in europe and in india and and in america my parents love to travel and i feel that's the best way to really understand yourself and to be really open-minded and flexible and and to be really caring because you have to see everybody from a different place you can't just mm -hmm. put people in packages 
and uh, and then expect them to act the way you want. You know, you're you're entering people's cultures, you're entering people's lifestyle and 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 belief systems that have been there for hundreds and thousands of years. And uh, it's about you cultivating flexibility. And that's the I found the great gift that I got from growing up with with uh, traveling a lot and also living in India and different places in India. And then living in America and different places in America. The East Coast is so different from the West Coast. Oh, yeah. And the West Coast, California yeah. is so different from Northwest. Mm-hmm. You know? So, again, it taught me a lot of flexibility and, and um, opening the heart more to accept people as they are. Mm-hmm. We first did some pretty big travels together before we were even a relationship. And uh, that was really a test, but in a great way. Because we're like, oh, if we can be somewhere where we can't speak the language, where we've got health issues, dietary issues, and we're not strangling each other, (laughs) this is not so bad. Maybe maybe we're a pretty good team. And I I know for both of us, every time we go abroad, when we come home, there's a big wake-up call. There's a a look around of where we are and the culture that we grew up in. And... um, I guess a little bit more fire and a little bit more energy to go out and and connect and and create change at home yeah, yeah. because when you go somewhere else there's a lot of moments where you go oh <laughs> oh <laughs> I see <clears throat> yeah. yeah and I think it's easy to to judge to go to different cultures and say oh well they're not doing it right or why is it this way I know we both struggled at first in Peru and in Bali with the amount of garbage and oh, that yeah. was really okay. challenging and we both got very frustrated with it but then it's really a matter of taking a step back and saying okay well this is their culture and why is it this way and how can we help that or do they need help with that and instead of just going from a place of judgment because of what you're used to here because we might not see all of our garbage out on the streets but there's a lot of garbage everywhere (laughs) just maybe not as obvious yeah exactly yeah Before we kind of wrap things up, is there anything you want to go into? Do you want to talk about the yoga conference at all? Or are you kind of like over that? Um, mm-hmm. We wanted to have you here just to give you a place to speak. Yes. And we don't necessarily need to go into that if it's yeah. not something yeah. you feel like you want to uh, chat about. But we're open to whatever. I think that's a whole other show. <laughs> right. I'm it's still in the process intense. of understanding why something like that would happen in the yoga world. Yeah, I agree. And something that I know Jordan and I have been talking about, we also run uh, yoga training and we're trying to figure out how to observe things like that and figure out, okay, how are we going to put this into what we're teaching our teachers? Mm -hmm. How Mm -hmm. do we educate them in a way that they can move forward and really recognize uh, what color their skin is, what -hmm. privileges they have, and how to see that and and create spaces that are safe and that are positive when they're teaching or even when they're just out being human beings. Mm -hmm, And I think mm -hmm. that was a big challenge of what happened there is a lot of like confusion really. And, And the confusion a lot of times then leads to insecurities or defensiveness and a lack of love and uh, communication. So it was, it was hard to watch. We both weren't there, but saw the video and we're just like, what? <laughs> just astounded, really. But I think her reaction was, was very 
much of an example of that if you get too physical with yoga, the ego grows and the soul gets hidden. Mm-hmm. And ego is very respectful, very caring, very supportive, pays attention to the environment and what's going on. I mean, sorry, the, the soul, soul does that. Mm-hmm. The ego is going by the clock, even though I was five minutes under. <laughs> the ego is, and this is my conference, and it's going to go the way I want. And that is what she just revealed, that if yoga is done with ego, meaning with the head, with the mind, then it's not true, true yoga. That, that even something so basic and where the rest of humanity sees, this is shocking, this is lack of etiquette, She's still not seeing it. Mm-hmm. And there are 12 other teachers. I don't know if you read 12 other teachers on, on the Seattle Yoga News have actually responded using yoga words that oh, I'm, that I I'm incorrect. That I haven't shown you know, them that it's, yet. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It's absolutely embarrassing that they still can't see. This is just simple lack of etiquette right. that the rest of humanity can see is wrong. But weren't but the they teachers that responded that. in that, weren't they also teaching there? Yes. So do you think that's a part of them going, well, if my name's tied to this, I have to feel defensive and I have to stand up for it because I don't want to necessarily admit that maybe something could have been not even inappropriate, but just wrong, really, in something that we're tied to. Yeah, I I kind of skimmed that one and I saw where it was going and I was like, oh, wow, no, this is not. But then again, that also shows they're not doing yoga. Yeah. Right? Because if you can't be humble... If you can't apologize, if you can't say I'm sorry, then how can you say you're doing yoga? Because yoga, right. what is it saying? Oneness. Oneness means I will do what is needed to change whatever I need to change to allow people to come together, not to allow make people separate and, and become apart. You well, know, all, all allowing to, feelings, allowing, allowing you feelings. to feel if yeah. you feel hurt or you feel prejudiced against or whatever that is, but allowing that feeling rather than going into a place of defensive and ego of no, this is how it was. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. I, I think it's uh, it's been a really interesting topic to watch unfold on social media. I wish we had been there sort of to kind of actually get a firsthand glimpse of what was going on. Um, From what I could tell in the video, there was very little support happening from the audience. Was there very few people there? I was just really surprised that nobody was kind of stepping in and saying, hey, wait, this isn't being handled well. Uh, It was surprising to me too, mm -hmm. especially when a portion of the audience was kicked out as well. Mm. And the portion were the people who came to honor Adil, uh, to he- to hear what I had to say to honor him. And those people were also kicked out. Mm. And that is just, un- just absolutely unacceptable anywhere in the world. In fact, I spoke to two friends of ours who are top speakers in the world. And they were just in shock. They said, this is never done, mm-hmm. ever, in any context, anywhere. <laughs> and I thought, and yet, it's in a yoga conference. Right. You know, this is supposed to be a gift from India to the world to teach us to respect each other, to love each other, to care for each other, to support each other. And in a conference, but the leader of the conference is treating another human being and her friends and, and students with immense disrespect. Mm-hmm. That shows that there's a big 
wound in yoga that there's a it's it's not being taught properly it's not being shared properly mm -hmm. it's and that's what i mentioned it was too physical in the beginning mm -hmm. when it was first brought to america it was very very physical and uh, that's what ideal and i are trying to help turn it into a more spiritual wholeness mental emotional physical balance in fact when i first started bringing meditation into yoga years ago um, many people in the Seattle community were very upset at me. Mm. They said, this, what does meditation have to do with, with yoga? <laughs> what does feeling have to do with yoga? Wow. What does light have to do with yoga? <laughs> I, was, I was really, they walked away from our studio. They put me down. I had my little one class for years because the yogis didn't want anything to do with me. And it was actually through, I think, the mindful movement that, the Buddhist movement that brought meditation into the world. Uh, but all along, yoga taught in India always had meditation in it. Mm -hmm. But somehow that got extracted and it became totally physical. And that meditation aspect is what trains the emotions and the mind to welcome the soul into the body. Mm -hmm. And if that's missing, the body is going to have all this power and be, have more ego in it and more separateness in it. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what she revealed to us, that she was not living true yoga, mm -hmm. that she was living the physical aspect of yoga, which thought of herself first, and not the audience, and, and not the speaker, and not the lineage. A big part of yoga is honoring who made you who you are. You always remember your teachers. You always honor your elders. You always... Uh, Remember all those people who prayed with you and prayed for you, whether you've known them or not, through the thousands th thousands of years. So I felt when she kicked me out that she had kicked my lineage out. She had kicked Adil out. Mm -hmm. She had kicked uh, my culture out. Mm -hmm. And that to me, even though I have the shy personality, I could feel in my heart going, this is so wrong. I have to speak up. I'm so happy that you did. I mean, it obviously has created an important conversation. It brought our attention back to you and, and it brought you here in today. And uh, have you had a conversation with any of the organizers of, of the uh, conference since that happened? We've only, well, Melissa herself, mm -hmm. no, she has not uh, communicated with us. She, she does not, she travels a lot. I mm -hmm. think she, she and her husband do certain retreats in different parts of uh, America. So we're hoping to mediate in, on, in June. Okay. Nadia was also traveling a lot around the time this whole situation happened. He was out of the country for three weeks. Uh, and so we could not uh, communicate. But I feel like the universe was giving her time to assess all of this mm -hmm. and to just go into, oh, my gosh, what did I do? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, really all I'm going to ask in mediation, could you please apologize? Mm -hmm. Please see what you've done is wrong. You know, and leave, yes, you didn't. You need to pay us back for a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. uh, but just the basic apology lets me know you're living yoga, and then I'd f I'd feel like okay, it's okay. We can, as a community, heal. But it's been, I think, two months now, yeah, and nothing. She can just send a quick text and say I'm so sorry, or nothing. It has been. It's, it's almost like these other people are now backing her up, yeah. throwing all this yoga words and knowledge, <laughs> which is actually very insulting considering I'm Indian, considering our deal is Indian, and throwing back our <laughs> culture and saying, well, we know it better than you do. 
you know, by stating the Mahabharat and instead stating uh, certain cultures in India and they do this and that's like, oh, you guys don't realize that's our culture. Mm-hmm. Don't throw our culture back to us. You know, we're trying to tell you, even in that culture, there's always been etiquette. Right. There's always been respect. You do not treat another human being the way you've treated. And it was more than just me. As I said, it was my, it was my lineage and all those on my and my students who were kicked out yeah. and I just found out from my deal I asked because he was traveling so much so I didn't I did not know exactly when we were actually kicked out of the conference and he said we were actually kicked out um two hours after the conference started mm. so that makes me wonder were they planning this all along interesting you know I thought it was the next morning and he mm. said no he got a call two hours after the conference started that he that we were all he and I were both kicked out of the conference. I thought that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, something here feels really wrong. Did you end up connecting with another um, yoga event a little while later? I remember seeing who was it that reached out to us? The one that was um, well, Samsara Fest. Yeah, yeah, Samsara. I was not able to go unfortunately. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. a new one that's kind of popped yeah. up in the area. Yeah. We were hoping to attend, and we ended up being out of town, but. I I like the energy that they're putting out there and I think Beautiful. our area yeah. is ready for more. Yeah. You know, the yeah. yoga conference has obviously hit a bit of a rough patch and they need to take a step back and look at the way they're running things, but mm-hmm. there's opportunities everywhere to bring yoga to people on a bigger scale like that, bring in great teachers and speakers and and have it run in a way that's really positive. Yeah. Um so hopefully I'm hoping to see more pop up that uh, that give you and other teachers with years and years of history and lineage a, a place to share because I do think it's a little bit challenging when you're just in your studio space mm-hmm. or you just have mm-hmm. your students to figure out how to kind of reach out and branch out further mm-hmm. um, because there's so many of us that want that. And and that's where the social media part comes in, right? All these conversations yes. <laughs> and sometimes debates, like it tends to be taken to the computer. But again, it becomes almost this addictive place of, oh, what's this thread doing? Or, oh, they're mm-hmm. all arguing about this. Or I'm going to put in my two cents and, and they're doing it behind a screen. And so there's this disconnect. And it's much easier, I think, to be... Uh, less loving and hurtful and take things the wrong way. The intention can get really gray and fuzzy when we're operating that way. So even though I'm grateful that it was there and that's how I saw what happened and we started the conversation obviously through all of the social media, but taking it now outside of that and saying, okay, how can we create these spaces like the conference or Samsara Fest or, you know, a beautiful home like you guys have created and, and give, um, give life to what people are obviously craving, you know, Mm -hmm. Facebook and all of this is trying to give people this way to connect right? Mm-hmm. They want it, but um, allowing uh, this to maybe inspire us to do something more and, and help people connect on different levels. Do you have any big goals or ideas that you'd be willing to share of, of where you want to take what you're doing in this practice or maybe even this challenging, frustrating situation that happened? Like, where do you want to go with all of this? Whatever I want to go is to bring back this one word, respect. You know, I think that word, if people don't like the word love, it's okay. But respect is what lo- love in action. And uh, I feel that, that when we all as human beings hold this vibration of respect, respecting our mind with the thoughts 
that are respectful to ourselves, respecting our emotions with beautiful feelings, respecting our body with feeding it properly and 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 uh, making sure that the foods we eat are grown respectfully, that honor and respect the earth, uh, respecting each other, respecting our planet. If we just live from this beautiful word known as respect, we will all get along and we actually will have peace on earth. Mm-hmm. Because when you're respecting your thoughts and feelings and live from that respect, you become a presence of love, you become a presence of peace. And if we all do that, all war will end. I feel this is really the solution to all these problems that we as humanity have been have been praying for for so long to God, please bring peace on earth. It really is us mm-hmm. embodying the, the truth of who we are, which is a respectful energy that has created everything to respect and care for everything else. And if we can bring that back and, to, and, and learn from this situation, then we will have the most beautiful world uh, that humanity will come together and truly be peace and love. And that's what yoga is trying to teach us to be, mm-hmm. is to be a living presence of respect. I think that you said respect is love in action. Love in action. That makes me really happy. Yeah. I like yeah. that a lot. Thank, thank you so you. much for chatting with us. Oh, I thank really, you. really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's a pleasure getting to speak with you. Thank you. Yeah. Nice to meet you too. <laughs> All right. All righty. Beautiful. Thanks for listening to the Gravity Lift Podcast with Jordan and Antonella. If you like our show and want to find more, check out our website at gravitylift.space. And when you get a sec, please rate and review us on iTunes to help us spread these vibes far and wide. 